Welcome to Thrive with Trevor Huffman Podcast. Trevor will be sharing 20 years of his NBA, NCAA, and overseas basketball playing, training, and coaching experience to help basketball athletes, parents, and humans find their athletic edge and thrive. Thrive is a deep dive into the lives, routines, habits, and minds of the world's best mental performance coaches, leadership professors, pro basketball athletes, NBA and WNBA skill trainers, and thought-leading sports psychologists. Let Trevor help you find the edges of your comfort zone so you can thrive. Hey, Hoopheads, we appreciate you listening to this episode of Thrive with Trevor Huffman. Don't forget to listen to our other coaching-focused podcasts, including Beyond the Ball, the CoachMaze.com podcast, Players Court, Bleachers and Boards, The Green Light, and Courtside Culture, plus our NBA-focused podcasts, Nuck If You Buck, Cavalier Central, 305 Culture, Spanning the Spurs, Hashtag Lakers, Motor City Hoops, X's and O's NBA Breakdown, LA Hoops, The Wizards Hoops Analyst, and At The Buzzer. Oh, and don't forget to check out our flagship, The Hoopheads Podcast, hosted by me, Mike Cleansing, and my co-host, Jason Sunkel, featuring the best minds in the game, from grassroots to the NBA. Hey, everybody. This is Trevor Huffman with Thrive Podcast, Huffman Basketball, workouts, camps, all that good stuff. We're here this week with a great friend of mine, an old coach who coached me in JV, uh, but is a lifelong coach, mentor, um, and friend, uh, Matt Tam from Batoski, Michigan. How you doing, Matt? Tell everybody hello, who you are, what you're about, give me the magic sauce. Well, Trevor, it's uh, great to be on a podcast with you. Um, I'm Matt Tam. I was a longtime teacher at Petoskey High School in Petoskey, Michigan, and I continued to coach at Petoskey um, and the continued to be the boys JV coach. Uh, I've coached for at Petoskey for 35 years and I pretty much have done all levels boys and girls, except for the boys varsity position. Um, love coaching, uh, love being with the young people, love the game, an ambassador for the game. And it's been a joy to know Trevor from the time he was in seventh grade and pulled up in my driveway uh, <laughs> and a conversation with him now. Wait, um, tell him about that story because I, I was too young. My brain hadn't fully developed yet. Uh, <laughs> well, your family had just moved to Petoskey, Michigan. You're in seventh grade and you're bummed out about leaving uh, the Grand Blank area. And that's where you're from, right? It was yeah. Grand yeah. Flint. Yeah. I was born in Flint. I say I'm a Flintstone. They don't accept me. That's fine. But <laughs> <laughs> well, your dad was driving down the street and um, I had a full court in my driveway. And all of a sudden this Cadillac comes to a screeching halt. And out jumps uh, Damon Huffman, introduces himself, and uh, I believe you were in the car. Uh, D2 would have only been in kindergarten at that time, and Jeremy was yeah. uh, in 10th grade. And that began a, a yeah. lifelong friendship. And and everybody that doesn't know, Petoskey, Michigan, and you know, it's it's beautiful. He, Matt Tam lived on a lake called Crooked Lake, so if you guys ever get up a chance to uh, get, get to that lake, it's a beautiful spot. And uh, I remember being on that lake because, you know, my mom and dad were we were moving up there. But at the same time, 
I was losing all my friends. So when I saw that hoop, man, it was like, it was like the golden <laughs> arches. It was like, getting. well, I, I, I remember, you know, there'd be many days where you just uh, come down to the house and shoot around in the driveway and I'd go out and rebound for you and, you know, chat. Yeah. And then that first year we started off the season. I don't know if your team had started yet. I think you started after Christmas and mm. I was coaching Jeremy. And so you'd come to a, all the practices prior to your season get getting going mm-hmm. and you know you're just uh, a seventh grader and i remember a lot of open gems and i used to always get on you to shoot the ball shoot or shoot trevor and shoot, or I, shoot. was i a shy kid uh, not really i mean no n- not by any no. means okay. were you, you shy um you're c- comfortable in your own skin you're you're a humble person um but you know but, but confident um, young guy, but you're playing with older people. And it wasn't like I had to beg you to shoot, but yeah. it was like you, you were a consummate uh, team player. Yeah. And I was, you know, a coach who loved to play and would felt as if players a lot of times improved when you got on the court and played with them, especially the younger ones. And so you just sure. need a little bit of encouragement to put the ball yeah. up. Well, I, I felt, you know, looking back and I think for a lot of parents, I, you know, a lot of parents kind of a lot, I have, I have 20, 20 people that listen to this podcast, but this is important because I think everybody that is out there looking for, you know, types of, of help or development type ideas. How do you develop a kid? How do you develop a basketball player? How do you develop a human? Like coach Tam was always that you, to me, you were always that guy that, that talked and lived um, with you kind of walk the walk, talk the talk, like you, you, you coached intensely, but you also played intensely. And I remember, th- I remember that. I remember thinking like, man, coach Tam competes and we would, I was, you know, my dad was always telling me, you got to play one-on-one. You got to play one-on-one. That's how you develop. So I remember even playing one-on-one with you. We had some battles, you know, you <laughs> Mickey, I actually talked to Mickey, Mickey Saturday said that, you you mickey told me that you told him that you have the, the upper hand and wins and i said no 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 mickey that is not true but <laughs> no. coach tam coach tam would say that because he's that competitive we we are probably even we're probably even we're probably at five hundred. we're both no, even. I, I probably did have the upper hand because probably when you started beating me i stopped, stopped. yeah you were like i'm done <laughs> hang it up no I, mean, I, I, I can remember um you know i played a lot of uh you know the better players when i was a younger man yeah. uh be coming like through high when school. you were 40 you oh, jeremy your brother and i jeremy your older brother and i would have battles yeah and, i mean it was it was intense but as i got older um I, the game started to i wasn't quite as good you were as below I, the rim you were- and then i remember playing you and uh you'd play make it take it and it got to the point where you guys want to miss and i got tired of being your defensive dummy <laughs> <laughs> well i appreciate it I appreciate you. Um, <laughs> no, I do. I appreciate you competing with me, taking the time. I mean, you're a parent, a coach, a teacher, you yeah. know, one of my favorite teachers, government, history. I don't know. I mean, it, it like. It yeah, you know, I, 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 I love all it. the roles that I, I've had. And yeah. one of the things I guess is I'm listening to you talk that I've always really tried to implement with uh, young people that I work with, whether it was in the classroom or on the court is to basically teach them some basic concepts and then yeah. let them create, let them play. Yeah. Let them think for themselves, let them make decisions. I do that with my own children. Um, as I was nurturing them, they're now, you know, 24 and 28. 
awesome kids are amazing yeah i mean we're going to get into that i I can't wait to talk about how you you know nurtured them and you know developed kirby who played uh, at central michigan uh, one of the all-time greats at petoskey and then had an amazing career at central and then teddy who's just the most uh, he's a magnet he's just a uh, uh, he's got the gift of gab and he's going to he's going to france to do student teaching right not student or, teaching. He's or gonna teaching. Be teaching at a university. He's going to be teaching oh, okay. English, and that's okay. supposed to happen here next uh, September. Um, but yeah, you know, yeah, just so. you know, going to an example, teaching kids to think. You know, we're at the mm-hmm. tail end of our COVID season right now with my JV boys, and our mm-hmm. freshman team is undefeated. Really, haven't had any challenges. Yeah. And my JV boys team have one uh, loss. And so yesterday we just turned it into a game. I walked in, we're going to practice together, which we haven't really done this year. And I told the freshman coach, I said, let's just play it like a game. I said, I'll keep the score. I got, you know, one of the coaches can officiate right here. And I went to one of the young guys on my team. I said, you're the coach of this team today. And I, I literally said nothing as these boys were playing. The game ended up going into double overtime. Mm-hmm. we had to stop before we started the second overtime because there's a girls game coming in. But believe me, it was mm-hmm. getting heated. And I told the guy who took over for me as the coach, I said, don't lose this game because you're going to hear about it for the next two years. Dude, 20. <laughs> yeah, really. Forever. <laughs> Forever. That's awesome though. That, that is, that's really, uh, I've never heard any coach ever do that. Well, we, we have a game today and I told him, I said, get ready for your pregame. I think mm-hmm. this young guy would be an awesome coach at some point in time. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a young man whose skill set is very good. Um, he's not a real big kid. He's not mm-hmm. particularly athletic. Um, and I'm just going to, we're playing a team that's not real strong. Yeah. And I'm just going to give him an opportunity to basically coach the game. That's so cool, man. I think, and, and that it reminds me, you know, with D2 going out to the three-on-three, he's out there with the, the Olympic team in Orlando getting ready, you know, getting them ready for their jet and going to Japan. And, and it's one thing I really appreciate about three-on-three basketball is there's no coaches, even at the pro level. You know, you're not allowed to. You get, you get negated points or forfeit a game if there's, like, coaches uh, having an impact on the game. And I think it's really important that kids – um, you know, it's something that we miss in American basketball is that every, every AAU game I ever watch, it's like, Oh, look at that parent. Oh my gosh. Look at them playing that, that zone defense. Cause there's no accountability. They don't want to, they don't want to have any, you know, they don't want to learn how to play. They don't want to have to manage the responsibility of, 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 you know, accountability and defense intensity, all those things that you see at the highest levels, you know, in AAU there, a lot of times they're lacking or in our American system, the kids don't get to figure it out. Yeah. You know, they're given set plays in middle school and sixth grade and they run this run the play to run the play. And and to me, just like coaching, you're saying, let this kid, you know, help teach him. Yeah, I'm teaching him. I, teaching. It's basically take everything that we have learned and what you've learned from your other coaches and let's implement it and take on a role as far as making certain decisions. Yeah, hey, I just had a, a special guest walk in the room here. It's uh, Kirby Tam. Hey, Kirby. Hey, how are you? It's Trevor. Just in case I haven't talked, I haven't talked to you in 10 years, probably five, maybe congrats on, on, uh, being a physical therapist. I'm going to hopefully I'll probably see you soon. Cause I need it. Yeah. <laughs> Come on over. Yeah. I work with Rob. So <laughs> yeah, I, I, it, coach Tam's been bringing me up to speed. So 
<laughs> this is on a podcast. Oh, so nice. <laughs> Kirby, Kirby, how many three pointers did you did you hit at Petoskey High, and what was what was your main driver for personal success as a as a developing player when you were young? I don't know your first question. I don't know how many threes. I'd have to go look it up. Um, okay, had a pretty high percentage though. Um, yeah, and I think just as a developing player, um, always liking challenges and trying to push myself to be better. So I like to compete. I think that was you like my, to compete. Yeah, yeah. The main driving force, and just like to be on the court and play. Yeah. Well, that's that's why you played it. Went D one. Um, I barely got D one. Only reason I did is because it was a fluke. So. Yeah, but then you excelled once you were given the opportunity. No, it wasn't. You weren't given the opportunity. You created the opportunity for yeah. yourself. I mean, you 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 pushed. You weren't you weren't settling for anything else. Yeah. What a great career you had. That was that was fabulous. But you're you're talking earlier though, as far as uh, developmentally, you know what? Yeah. Kirby's gracefully walking Sorry, out the door. <laughs> Kirby, thanks for being on the podcast. How can we find you, Kirby? I have to plug your info. Um, like my Instagram. Yep. Yep. Um, Everybody, cause they don't, nobody will believe that you're actually real. Cause I'm, you know, that this podcast is fake. So if, if they can research you, they will. Everybody on my podcast researches what I say. They're very, very thorough. Um, at, at KTAM 12. KTAM 12. Yeah. Oh my, oh, Kirby. One last question. Kirby. One last question. Cause I got a lot of old, older people, a demographic like me. What is the one thing I should do every day to have a healthy back? A healthy back? Yeah. Um, I think that depends on the person, but getting regular exercise, make sure you're stretching and staying active. Staying active, stretch. Yeah, staying active is a big thing. Talk to people who know what they're, they're doing if you're having issues. Getting oh, gosh. Yeah, well, I, I've been thinking about, I need a personal physical therapist just down here. I'm, I'm, you're going to have to pay for, pay for that. <laughs> yeah, that's, I'll PayPal you. <laughs> That's what Cindy and I have had some minor ailments and uh, we ask her questions. She says, make an appointment. <laughs> oh, snap, Kirby. Get it. Get that money, girl. You got it. You know, you got you're married now. You got you got bills to pay. You got it. You got it. No, she just closed the door on us. All right. She's like, literally closed here. the door on us. <laughs> she walked into a firestorm. That's too funny. Yeah. So yeah, but to go back, I mean, and the development of three on three is really about letting kids figure it out. They fall down. They got to pick themselves up. They got to figure it out. They get knocked down. They miss a shot. They can't figure out a ball screen defense. They got to talk it through, you know? And I think that that's a huge, huge, not only that a huge value, I think missing in, in sports and youth sports, but I think a value, you know, just look at America right now. Nobody can communicate. Wow. Nobody can talk. Well, nobody yeah, can, I, I, you know, I nobody can, I also think there's a, an element out there too, where, you know, and I think a lot of it comes down to some of many parents. It's like, you know, allowing your kid to fail. It's okay to yeah. fail. There's, there's a, there's a, a great um, interview that I saw years ago. And the woman who was being interviewed was the creator of this uh, woman's garment line. It's called Spanx. It's woman's undergarment. And yeah. so she's being interviewed and, uh, the interviewer asked her, said, you know, who was most influential in your life? Says, my father. And she said, as a kid, my father, would, he was an attorney. He would ask his two children, he'd say, what did you fail at today? And he said, and she said, excuse me, that he would be very disappointed 
if they hadn't failed at something that day. I'm thinking, what a wonderful gift to give your kid. It's okay to fail, but it's not okay not to try, you yeah. know? So it's like take, take, and, you know, a lot of times growth comes with uh, some failures and growth comes with success too. Um, but it's okay to take some chance, you know, calculated chance. Yeah. You know, you're going to fail sometimes. It's okay. Yeah. I think sometimes parents want to rescue kids because they might not meet quote with success. It's okay, you know, to, to try and maybe not be successful. And, yeah. But you're going to learn some pretty big lessons. Well, I think that, you know, we, we, in the, you know, the Huffman, the virtual workouts, I talk to the kids a lot about that, you know, where if I show you a new, new set or a new cycle of, of moves, you, you know, you, you're going to fail at that your first time you fail all the time. You just don't, you don't look at sometimes we view failure as, uh, Oh, it's a game now. And people are watching. I'm, yeah. you know, the, there's more on the line, but really, is there, I mean, is, is that, is that really true? What's on the line? What's the difference between a, a drill that you're going to fail at and, uh, and a game that there's always going to be another game. There's always going to be another drill, you know? And I think for me, if I could have taken that mindset at an earlier age, I, I you know, I would have play, played, it, it should give you courage and, and make you feel fearless that there's no, you know, there's no, there's no, there's no, it's not, ne it's never set in stone. Nothing is, is ever permanent, you know? And I think, Failure is one of those things that's never permanent. It's always something that uh, ha should happen every day, right? Uh, and 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 you should you should find that edge of your comfort zone to to figure out where you're. That's where you grow the fastest. And I think you know a lot of parents try to keep their kids away from the edge of that zone. They try to keep them like close to their. You know, would you, I think you use the word coddle? You know, yeah, <laughs> sure. sure. A lot of parents coddle their kids and 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 really hold them close because uh, they don't want them to feel that that adversity or pain or suffering that or, or failure or, or negative feelings. But I think, you know, how, what would you tell a kid that, that is real, you know, just, just super worried and super anxious, you know, we get a lot of, I feel like that's one of those big, you know, buzzwords today, you know, where kids are anxious about games and anxious about playing and performing. Um, what, you know, what would you tell a kid? I, I just had a young guy um, here about two weeks ago, and he's a really nice, hardworking, very quiet young guy. And you know, he's a sophomore in high school. He wouldn't shoot the ball. Well, he shoots the ball every day in practice, and he hits one of the highest percentages on the team. And I, and I looked at him. I said, it's a game. It's a game. <laughs> this is mm -hmm. not – put it up. I said, I won't get on you for shooting and missing, I will get on you for not shooting the basketball. Um, so I guess, you know, in, in that context, in regards to basketball, that's, you know, I guess what I try to emphasize, you know, it's not a live and die situation. It's a game where yeah. we're going to go home and after the game and it's, it's over. Um, not that I'm not competitive by all means, yeah. but it's, it's, it's a game. No more, yeah. no less. And tell me a little bit about what you did with, I mean, Kirby playing D1, you know, she was, she really liked, she said she loved the game. She loved challenges. What yeah. were some of the things you, you know, you guys did with, as a, at a young age, middle school to high school that you thought really helped her develop into a D1 or college player? You know, first off, it was all about Kirby in regards to her development and what she wanted. You know, um, I have two children, Kirby and Teddy, they're both awesome uh, young adults. Uh, they're awesome young kids, but they're very different. Teddy wasn't as interested in basketball, liked to play, but, you know, opted not to play his junior and senior year. 
in high school, but Kirby from a young age, I just recognized um, that, um, she, you know, she had talent. Let me back up here. Um, Kirby was born in 1992. At that time, I was a girls varsity coach in Petoskey. My wife was the JV coach. And when she was pregnant with Kirby, uh, we had a game down at Central School Gym in Petoskey. And the game went into overtime. And all of a sudden, I look at my wife, who was about, uh, about seven months pregnant. And she goes, and she's just sort of stretched out. And she goes, oh, my gosh, she just flipped over in my stomach. So Kirby was um, been in the gym since she's been in the womb. Yeah. And, um, when she was little, she would come to our basketball camps and hand out awards. I never really pushed it. And then she was in like in first grade, she'd come to the camps. Kirby, do you want to do one of these drills with the girls who are in third and fourth grade? And she'd get out there and do her drills for a little bit. And then she'd go sit down. And I just, I never really pushed it. And then when she was in third grade, I created a league for fourth and fifth grade girls. And I told her that, hey, I talked to the director of the program, which of course was myself. And he said that you could participate with the older kids. And she comes out and she starts playing and she would put passes on people. You're going, oh my gosh, it was like right on. And then all of a sudden, if someone did something like smacked her in the face, I mean, she would get a little bit enraged, but it was controlled and became three times as good as she usually was because she'd play harder. Yeah. And so I just told her at a young age that she could be a very good player. And I said, I, you know, you have the coaching that will lead you there, but I'm not going to argue with you. And I said, when I'm at home, I'm your dad. And when I'm on the court, I'm your coach. And eventually I became her teacher in high school. So, I mean, in a day she'd go from me being her dad, mm-hmm. driving her to school to being a student in my class to being uh, on the basketball co- court with Coach Tam. But what I identified as her daughter, and it sort of, you know, played between these dual roles, mm-hmm. is that she loved a challenge. And I just kept on, you know, taking her, you know, trying to play in this Gus Macker tournament. And sure, so we got some of her buddies and we go down. And I can remember taking her when she was about in fifth or sixth grade down to Grand Rapids because they're having the state tournament for AAU. And I go, would you like to be on a team like this? And she's like, Oh gosh, yeah, this would be great. Mm-hmm. So I just kept on, you know, taking her where I just presented challenges, you know, for her because she embraced the challenge and, you know, she loved it. You know, one case in point, you know, there was a team out of the Detroit area. I think they're in Lapeer. It was, they referred to them as the Detroit shock. So named after the WNBA team that Detroit had at the time. Mm-hmm. We had gone down. She was in, I think, sixth grade. We went down to watch the state tournament um, down at Eastern Michigan is where they're holding it for the girls' state championship. And the tournament was ending on a Saturday, and they're having tryouts for this elite shock team on Sunday. And so this sick, twisted father that I am, basketball junkie, <laughs> Uh, Two, I took her to the tryouts along with her friend, who was a very good player, too, uh, Pat LeBlanc's sister, Bernadette. Mm -hmm. And um, there was numerous teams that were trying out in this big Class A school. So I'm up on the running track, and I'm looking at the girls her age that are the better players, and I start pointing at one of the baskets. I think they had, like, four full courts, you know, on this this running track. 
uh, above it. And she, you know, I had a tryout with this team that was supposed to be one of the elite teams in the state for her age level. And she, her and that performed very well. They're right there with, you know, these girls. And uh, afterwards, you know, went down and was talking with the coach. And I told him, I said, I just wanted to see how she <laughs> compared at this point in time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, she was, she was good. And eventually what ended up happening is um, I ended up getting a group from Petoskey from the Northern Michigan area where we could not get enough girls to compete at a high level um, together. So there's four of them who came from Northern Michigan. I went down to Mount Pleasant, Michigan, and um, there's some girls from other areas of the state that came in and we had a team that competed on the, you know, the travel AAU circuit. Mm-hmm. And we were down in Toledo and we were playing in this tournament and all of a sudden it, we're in the semifinals. And this is when she is in her, I think between her freshman and sophomore years. And no, it was between right at the end of her sophomore year. And all of a sudden I asked one of the parents, I said, could you watch the other game that's going on in the other court? So this is at, was it Savage Arena at Toledo? Uh, yeah. the, the arena that they have there at the University of Toledo. I think. And so at, one of the parents was watching the game. We win, so we're going to play in the championship game. And uh, I asked about the team that we we're going to play against. And he says, well, they're big. They're fast. They can really shoot the ball. A couple good post players. And, man, do they ever defend? And it's like, okay. So we play, and we get down about eight to ten points against this team. Eventually, we end up losing the game. I know nothing about these girls that we're playing. And after we're done, manager of our club, she says, well, the one girl is going to Connecticut. The other one's being recruited by Tennessee. These <laughs> kids are going to Ohio State. Those two are going to Northwestern. It's like, oh, my goodness. Well, off the team that I was coaching, we had Miss Basketball, Kirby senior year um, in high school, Jasmine Hines, who ended up going to Michigan State. Nicole Amblad, who won a state championship up at St. Ignace, who started all four years at the University of Michigan and is now in medical school at wow. University of Michigan. We had Kirby, who went to Central Michigan University. We had an, um, another girl who could have played B1. I think she was GLIAC. I don't know if she's GLIAC player of the year, but I think two times she was mm-hmm. um, uh, GLIAC first team um, all-league, who went up to Michigan t- Tech. And another girl went to, to Oakland University, um, finished off her career at Saginaw Valley. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we, we were loaded, you know, but yeah. we didn't know how good we were. How'd you find all that talent? I mean, <laughs> well, you know, I, I couldn't find enough kids from just here in the tip of the Met to play. But, you know, I knew Nicole since she showed up when I was coaching kindergarten soccer. You probably never knew that about me. I was uh, undefeated uh, kindergarten. Oh, God, here we go. Here we oh, go. Man. <laughs> undefeated soccer coach. <laughs> <laughs> One of my only two undefeated uh, teams I've ever coached, kindergarten soccer. Uh, oh, man. Um, but anyways, so she shows up with her dad, and we just became friends. Kirby played in a three-on-three tournament when she was in third grade, competed against her when she was in middle school and, and in high school, and you know, still very good friends. And then Jasmine, same thing. She had played in three-on-three tournaments with us, You know, got to know the families, Um so that's how I got together with those girls up here. But, and we had played with just about seven girls from Northern Michigan and some of these girls didn't want to play anymore. 
So we're just looking for other girls who want to compete at a high level. Mm -hmm. These girls had aspirations to play at the collegiate level. And Mm so, you know, I asked Kirby when she was about in eighth grade, I said, what do you want to do? She says, I would like to play college basketball. And so we just try to identify a route that, you know, she could take to, to get there. Hey, basketball parents, coaches, and athletes. One of my favorite adapted quotes is, we do not rise to the level of our basketball goals, but rather we fall to the level of our basketball training system. Why do I say that? Well, I want to help all your basketball athletes, kids, or players figure out how to chase their basketball dreams in a smart, systematic way. So I'm offering my live online basketball training community today and get a free week of virtual home basketball workouts streamed into your garage, your living room, your basement, your driveway, and you get to work out with the pros. All right, we do this every week, and for the first time, your kids will have direct access to me, sports performance trainers, other pro coaches for as little as $25 a month. If you're interested, please visit trevorhuffman.com or text me, quote, Huffman Club with your full name at 810-771-8622. Again, that's 810-771-8622. Tell me, when you're coaching those girls, you know, let's dive a little deeper into like yeah. your practices and, and how you, you know, you had a ton of talent there, right? But it sounds like these girls didn't even know they were that talented yet, but that they had these, you know, that they could play at Michigan state and central D one D two, you know, college level players. I mean, you're, what, how did you, how, how did you approach practices with them and kind of t- t- take me through your strategy to get the most out of that team and that talent? You know, that, that was the thing that was most difficult was because we had girls coming all the way from the upper peninsula to, you know, Petoskey, the central Lake to driving hours girl come coming from Midland, a girl coming from, uh, you know, up, up around, uh, where was she from? She wasn't from Caseville, but she was from the thumb. Mm-hmm. We had some coming from Lansing. So it was really hard to practice. Mm-hmm. Um, we typically, we started out where we had come and practice once, you know, during the week, but it, it, it would just totally mess up my week. So we had just show up about two hours before mm-hmm. we'd play in a tournament and we do some walkthroughs. Yeah. And I was sort of up to these kids to work out on their own. So, you know, we, yeah. um, I did have them for, uh, I think, uh, three days and two nights up to um, this place on Crooked Lake. It's known as the Court of Dreams. Yeah. And uh, now it is. Now, yeah, when I was there it, back then, it was. I know. Oh, gosh. That, I, I, we've had so much fun with that. Cracks in the cement. I sprained an ankle over there, to, you know, once a week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I had them up to the house, you know, for like a, a three day clinic um, that that first summer that we were working together. Yeah. Um, what's the what's the perfect kind of practice plan for you now? If you're a coach now that you've been doing it for 30 years, what kind of beginning of the season? What are, what are your practice plans look like? What do you what do you walk me through kind of how you design your practice plan, what you're focusing on? You know, there's um, a skill element that we work on and then also um, competition and then Mm. we'll work on certain aspects of the game, you know, such such as something as basic as pivoting, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, And then what I will do is in the competitions, I'm going to compete, I'll get these kids competing as quickly as I can after Mm -hmm. we have gone over a concept and then Mm -hmm. we're implementing that concept. And it's it's going to be part of the scoring. 
So if I'm if I'm playing a game, it's uh, say for example a four on four on four game, um, and we're working on uh, squaring up with the ball and pivoting strong with the ball. Mm-hmm. If as you catch the ball, if you don't square up and face the basket with your knees bent, um, it's a turnover. And a turnover, your team loses two points. Um, offense, if I'm emphasizing offensive rebounds, and sometimes in these games there'll be multiple ways in which you can score. So two's a two, a three's a three, and offensive rebounds plus one. And if you turn it over, it's minus two. So all teams will start off with 20 points. Um, so, you know, once again, I'm just trying to, one, emphasize certain concepts, but at the same time, make it competitive and fun for the kids because you have to want them to come back. Um, for some of the teams, what I found, the teams that are really good and the teams that are really bad, mm-hmm. I tend to do a lot more skill work with them because with the bad teams. With the bad teams, too, because if you can't shoot, catch, dribble, and pass the basketball, then you're not going to be very good. Yeah. And then when you get to your really good teams, a lot of times you have your strategies are down. They understand the concepts. So then it comes down to can we really refine your skills and perhaps expand on those skills? Mm -hmm. Um, But I I do if I have a teaching station out of – maybe I'm introducing a new concept. Well, we're going to, it's going to be pretty slow as we go through it. So everyone mentally understands it and then slowly goes through the technique. So like cutting, for instance, you, you know, I know you, you, you guys run a lot of motion up there, right? Yeah. We run some motion. We also get into the dribble drive, Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, you know, we're going to, it's going to be slow at first. Yeah. And then we will drill on it. You know, this is a simple drill. So we've introduced the concept. We're going to drill on it. And then we're going to implement it into some type of game format. Um, one thing that I've done, I guess, as I'm thinking of this, as far as the competition level, um, I've turned around um, where I don't do it all the time, but I do it a lot where it's like, look at open season, man. Every Everything we do in practice is being scored. And the top five people – after these next two practices um, are going to be the five starters. And yeah. believe me, uh, these guys play for blood at that point in time. It's, it's. Yeah. My I'm, dad did that in middle school. Did you, I think even my dad used to talk about that stuff. Too. He probably got it from me. Yeah. Damon's a steer. He's still <laughs> no, just, all your... There's still stuff that I can remember that I got from your dad, you know, 20 years ago. It's one thing with did the coach. You get, did, you, did you get the uh, the sense deprivation tank that I got put in as an eighth grader? Because you didn't do that with Kirby. Now that contraption was a nightmare. That thing is a sense. What he, he it's, it's called a it's like a it, you, you basically it's a sense deprivation tank. It's like a, a a full immersion. You sit in salt water. You're floating, but there's no there's no sound. There's no you're you're there's you can't see anything so you basically all your senses are are just completely focused and that you're just floating in water uh my dad built one in his garage so that i could visual you know like listen to visualization techniques and learn spanish faster i don't know i don't know what he was doing i was afraid of that thing i like i got in it and i got right back out matt it was scary there's like a flammable oxygen tank connected to it no, we just we just built a sauna for if that's good enough. It's yeah, saunas. That's all you need. <laughs> Parents listening out there, all you need a sauna, maybe a hot tub. You guys had both, I think. Oh, one. we do. Oh, yeah. I'm yeah. To get, you, as much as you work hard, 
you also have to recover hard. That's one thing I tell people. You can't. That's one thing my dad did. I'm serious, too. I, I really believe this. Uh, we were kind of talking about that earlier about, you know, the micro habit of of training hard and, and competing kind of full out, you know, where, where it, all of a sudden you take a boy or, you know, competitor, let's just say boy or girl, and you put a point system on it where now they're competing for two days to see who's going to start. Yeah. Why, you know, and I'm, I, I don't know, maybe this is, maybe I was the same way when I was a kid, but, uh, and I learned this through over time that training, if I ch- could get myself to train full out in the weight room, dribbling my dribble workouts, my shooting workouts, going game speed, playing one-on-one, like full out intensity. If I could do that every single time, you know, I was going to, uh, I was going to get compounding results over, you know, I'm, I'm going to, I was going to improve faster. I was going to get better. I was going to be, you know, that starter. And I think, I don't understand the the disconnect between kids on, and competing sometimes, um, where if you keep score, they compete. If you don't keep score, you know, I mean, I understand the concept. You slow it down. We do the same stuff. You got to slow it down, maybe break it down into two parts, you know, upper body, lower body. I do all that stuff in the workouts, you know, where I, I want kids to go slow to learn it. But once you get it, then it's about intensity and kind of oh, yeah. taking that, you know, taking that to the next level, that skill. Yeah. And, you know, what do you, what do you tell people out there that are having a hard time getting, you know, their athletes or their kids or, or players to like, turn it on, just turn that switch on RJ Taylor. You know, I told you about that. They played the number one team in the state. He turned it on, you know, completely changes the game. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But they got to find that right from the get go, as you said. And right. that that's part of me, as far as I'm concerned, that's part of maturing, mm-hmm. you know, in, in the level that I've been working at with these boys who are on JV when I share with them, I said, every level you go up higher, you're just going to notice how much faster and how much more intense it is. So you need to take your, when we're drilling on certain things, you need to play as hard as you can, even a little bit out of control. And I said, then we can back it off a little bit, but the only way you're going to learn to play fast is to take yourself to the point of, you know, exhaustion. Yeah. Do you guys have practices where it gets ugly? I mean, where it's, you know, you guys are playing so hard and people are learning. You know, I think that was one thing Bob Taylor told me was like, you know, he, he does a lot of work stuff with kids and I love it because it's, you know, it's like they're messing up all the time. He's, they're getting out of, if you're getting out of your comfort zone, you are going to mess up. You are going to fail. You know what I mean? But that's, that's the beauty of it is getting kids to that edge um, where they can, they can flip that switch on and then it stays on. Right. Um, Right. Yeah, I, I like my I like my practices, and uh, mm-hmm. I like to be a little bit chippy. Yeah, guys, going after it. You know, yeah, I can was... remember guys. This is going back to when you were in high school. I had a group of girls. I had eleven girls on this team. My, my kids play hard. That, that that's I I insist that oh, they, yeah. if they don't play hard. I'm not going to play them. Well, you were my JV coach too, and I, I all that was probably one of my favorite seasons. And you remember? I mean, we can get into that, but go, finish your fin- tell yeah. The but story. I, just, I, I had eleven young women on the team. I was relatively you know was a much younger coach, but oh my gosh, these girls would just get after it, and they just made each other so much better. Now, it was this Emily Teske, Rachel Brown. Is oh, that yeah. that team? Yeah, exactly. That was that was a, they're so fun oh, to man. coach. I remember watching them. They were dogs. They were just like, get after it. Uh, I tell you, what, our games were a break from our practices. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! Did I, I really ever tell are. you the story? Did I ever tell you the story about Rachel Brown boxing? 
in our basement. I mean, she, oh. I, I didn't want to fight that. She did knock me out. Yeah. I, no, I, I, wanted to, I wanted to date her, but she was a senior. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have the, I didn't have the, the, the nerve. Oh, oh, that man. is too funny. I heard that you're pretty good in the, with the gloves. Someone, oh. John told me, he said, man, he, who was it? Uh, Cole Swiss. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a famous story in Northern Michigan folklore, folklore. I would never <laughs> fight Cole Swiss. If Cole Swiss listens to this, I'm going to link into him, but that, that was a, a, a fluke because I was in the best shape of my life. I was benching 350 in college, squatting 400, you know, power cleaning 200. And uh, my cousin Jimmy, you know, my dad gave us boxing gloves as kids. You know, I fought Mitch Schumann every, like every weekend for fun. My brother and I would box. You know, my, if we had a fight in our house, my dad would say, put on the gloves. I'm like, I don't know if that's legal. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, that's how we, you know, rather than like fight with our fists or fight, you know, fight dirty. My dad said, hey, we'll put the gloves on and you guys can figure it out. So Cole Swiss, he's this bruiser in high school, you know, super strong. So he's getting in, I don't know what my cousin Jimmy's friends with him. Of course he hears that I can box and he's, you know, he's testing his testing his limits there in high school. He's a senior. I'm, I'm in college. So I come home one summer and there's a hundred cars in my driveway. <laughs> I'm like, what my mom's driveway. I'm like, what is going on? And he's like, I set it up. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, Jimmy. Like I, I, I don't want to do this, man. I don't want to fight. Like I haven't fought since high school, like, or, you know, I haven't boxed in a long time. I go downstairs. There's 50 kids. It's like, it's like the fight club, you know? I mean, that is so man, un unbelievable. We start the fight. This guy is going for my head, you know, and I'm just ducking, be bobbing and weaving. I'm still fast, you know? And I finally just, I think I got one punch, one punch landed and he came in for something and I kind of was falling away and he, I felt it connect, man. I hit him so hard. I was like, if that doesn't knock him out, then this, I am going to lose, you know? And, uh, he went down and was in the funniest thing he said was like, I've never been hit that hard in my life. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, all right, let's end it here. You know, we're done. We're <laughs> Get out of my house. Where, where was your mom? Was she in the, oh, she was nowhere to be found. Nowhere yeah, to be I found. Uh, thank right. God. I mean, and my brother, Jeremy was the only one in my corner. It could have turned ugly, but he, yeah, he chipped my tooth. Like it was bad, man. We, we, he got back up. We let him kind of come back from the, from the knockdown. And then we fought again. And it was, a, it was amazing. I mean, it was theory, you know, I remember that, that, com that like competitive edge, you know, you get the, the, the juices flowing and, and I remember that's how I felt in your practices. Like, man, I'm, I'm competing. And, <laughs> I, and JV, I, thought, I thought it was that much of a rush. As well, yeah, that's true. I, I, I had to worry about uh, Sean Warden and Tyler uh, Sweenor. You know, those guys were, those guys were as soft as buttermilk, yeah. you know, compared to Emily Teske and Rachel Brown. Oh, but man. even in JV, you, you, you found a way to motivate me. Cause I was, I, I want to talk about this because I think a lot of kids get so stuck on the destination, you know, and, and my destination, my goal, ultimate goal was to play on varsity as a freshman. And you knew that. I think coach Starkey knew that my dad knew that. And then, you know, like you working so hard and, and, and you want something to happen for, for yourself. And I'm sure my dad wanted it to happen for me, but I remember you, you really kind of mentored me through that process. And I think without your mentoring, you know, I, who knows? I, maybe I would have transferred in today's age. You know, parents are so ready to take their kids and go to a different school because it's not working out and, and there's bad, you know, you're not getting the time or the minutes. T talk a little bit about that. 
Well, as as I was watching you, I just saw how much potential that you had, and Coach Starkey did too. We had a good varsity team. What was senior dominated? Yeah, your brother uh, was one of those seniors who had played varsity since he was a sophomore. He was a very good player, and we looked and said, "Hey, how much playing time is Trevor going to get? Is he is he ready yet?" And one area that uh, was sort of easy to overcome, to be honest with you, because it doesn't take that long to really teach someone how to play defense. Is yeah. you really, I think defense prior to you playing at, uh, for the team that I coached was sort of an afterthought, you right. know, just getting in the way of your offense, but your offensive skills were great. And I just kept on emphasizing, Hey, you're not going anywhere until you take playing defense seriously. Yeah. And you know, you became a great defensive player. Yeah. You know, but I, I I think that was, you know, something more of a introduction first. And I mean, it got to the point where I can remember watching you play in the you know, state tournament games, your, you know, sophomore, junior, senior year, as we, you know, won regional championships, made it to the quarterfinals, your sophomore year, and then making it to the semis, both your junior and senior year. I mean, you're guarding a bunch of all state players and man, you're, you're, you're wrapping them up. Yeah. That's, that was huge in regards yeah. to the success of your team. And you just took, you know, pride in that and you're a great offensive player. So it was really trying to get you at a young age to become a little bit more of a complete player, which yeah. I was, if we were very successful with, yeah. and then you did go up at the end of the season yeah. and you, you became a role player on a, a, a good varsity team. Hey, hoopheads, we all hate ankle sprains, and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports-related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. Athletes no longer need to wear bulky braces that limit performance and give mediocre protection. Anyone playing sports should be using these products. Keep your athletes in the game. Don't wait for them to get hurt to take action. Visit www.arise.com, spelled A-R-Y-S-E, and use the code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off the future of performance. That's A-R-Y-S-E.com with promo code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off. At that point, the best... Jeremy and uh, DeGroote, Kevin DeGroote. I mean, Kevin DeGroote was on varsity as a freshman. I'm trying to take time from him, you know, no way. Like, but the, that's, that was such a great learning experience for me to one, be on that JV team who, you know, that team had not, they had never won a game until, until you coached them. And then, you know, like that, that was so much fun because we, we really turned around that, that, that. Yeah, that was a group. I, I don't know if they hadn't won a game, but they hadn't had a lot of success. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, then all of a sudden you throw one or two players in there and we had you and then we had wasn't uh, we had a junior, Brendan, uh, from from Mexico. Was yeah. That? And Dana, Dana Lee or uh, Dana, um, oh, Dana, Dana yeah. Andrews, Dana Andrews. I mean, yeah, Dana was on that team and, and he was. Yeah, we've well. done that, you know, um, here recently, too, where we've had some juniors who have played who had potential mm-hmm. that um, we had played, you know, at the, the JV level as juniors. And, um, you know, a lot of these guys, their senior years became pretty, you know, pretty good con- contributors to the varsity team. But they just needed that extra year of development where they're going to be on the court playing and maybe get yeah. 
a little bit more coaching. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. I think it's important, you know, it's go, go where you can get minutes and, and improve and learn. Yeah. You know, that's what, if I have a kid, that's where they're going. You know, I'm so glad I didn't go big 10. I would have sat the bench for two years. You know, yeah, well, that's, that's it. I'm yeah, I've talked to some people recently and I've been watching, you know, a few people that's like, you know, if they had been, you know, at a mid-major, they, they would have been playing right from the get-go. I think your first year you played, you know, some minutes and I think those minutes grew. Correct yeah. Well, but I didn't get minutes on. until halfway through the season. You know, I was, I was definitely on the, I was the low man on the totem pole at Kent State. And I remember we played at Maryland, Baltimore in a Christmas tournament. We were down 20 and Coach got pissed. You know, when coach gets pissed, he puts all five subs in. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, that, that, yeah, send a message. And, uh, oh, man, I was ready. I was so ready for that. I think did you I guys scored. mounted a comeback? Or? We did. We mounted a comeback. We won. He kept us in. He kept the players that, that competed in, and we oh, came cool. back. Uh, we, I think I had 20, 20 points in the second half. And, and this D1, you know, that was huge. And I think from that po- point on, you know, I earned – kind of the respect of, of, of the coaching staff and, and the guy, the seniors on that team. And they, they wanted, you know, we, I started getting minutes and I ended up, pre, you know, making the all freshman team and getting you know, awesome. So, you know, that was huge because I was averaging no points a game. And then by the end of the year, I was, you know, averaging about nine or 10 in the Mac. And that was really the, the kind of the, the start of my career was just being ready for that moment, being ready to get in there and compete. Well, and, and, and you seized it. And that's the big thing, you know, as you're a freshman in college, um, man, you, you have to seize that moment. If you're given yeah. that opportunity or a sophomore, anytime, if you're playing at that level, yeah. You gotta be ready. I, I had a, a couple of questions come in from, from parents. And, and one of the questions was how do I help my kid understand how to know when it's time to share the ball and when it's time to attack during a game? He's kind of team-oriented kid, but he's one of the best players on the team. You know, how, how would you handle a kid that is super unselfish, but he's actually the best option offensively? Well, I, I'd say if the kid isn't, so, sometimes people mistake that. Sometimes they're thinking yeah. they're being unselfish. Well, you're being selfish by not stepping up. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you need, to, you need to step up. I have one young guy right now who I'm not saying too much to him, but there's times when he should have shot. Yeah. But he drove and then he drives when he should have shot. And, you know, it's like just finding that mix. So we just sit down and, you know, we just talk, look at that. I, I like ball reversal. I think a lot of good things happen off of ball reversal. Yeah. And a lot of times the guy cannot close out and go back at the same time. So it's just really, I guess, trying to identify. Um, I guess this maybe comes full circle. I think of conversations I've had with Kirby when in her form mm-hmm. years, where mm-hmm. it's like, look at basketball as a team game, get everyone involved in the game, but there's certain times when you need to step up and we want the ball in your hands where you're, you know, yeah. making the play. You, you have the highest percentage. You're the highest yeah, percentage. You're not passing it off to someone who's hitting, you know, 15% when you're hitting, you know, 50, 50% from that. Right. Gym. I, 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 and I would answer that too. It's like, well, I mean, nowadays we have tape, you know, and, 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 yeah. and you can look at the tape and say, all right, wh- who could you have made better here on this possession? And who, and, and, and who was actually open for the shot? Was it you? Were you open? Um, and did you, you know, did you make the right decision? And I think a lot of the, a lot of the youth comes down to understanding, like you're saying, you don't want a kid who just dribbles down and shoots every time you want 
ball reversal. You want ball movement. You want leverage. And I, I define leverage as a person closing out on you because of your skill set. They know you can shoot. So they, if there's space, you know, they don't want you to shoot. So creating leverage for players is great uh, where they're, you know, they're getting closeouts. They're getting driving opportunities based off their skill set. You know, right. Coach Beeline talked about that a lot. I got to sit on a few of his practices and that's all he talked about, you know, was being able to create, create ball movement to create space for, for your skill set and for your players. And, and I think, you know, playing, playing three on three, playing four on four, playing, you know, getting a kid to be more aggressive can come in those kind of micro parts of practice. Yeah, and you, can always back, you can always back off, you know, a kid, I think. Yeah. But it's a lot harder to get him to be more aggressive. Yeah. Oh, boy, any, anything you can, you know, the one-on-one, what, what's a kid going to do? I, I'll start off a lot of my practices. It's like, okay, boom, you're the one-on-one games. Five minutes, you know, the part of my scorekeeping that I do. Uh-huh. Uh, keep them scored. Winner, winner gets uh, 10 points. And if you beat the guy by more than 10, you get an additional five points. So it gives them the incentive not to let off. Put their, as you say, put the foot on their throat. Yeah, and put, that well, say quite like that, but yeah, I mean that's I, how I would say it. I, I'm just let, let's 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 yeah. let's push it. You know, let's yeah. let's let's push it, and then the guy who's on defense is, is he going to quit because he's already beat? It's like no, this guy's trying to beat you by even more points, and then you got to tell me the score. And yeah. there's a little bit of uh, humiliation, I guess, in regards to that. Yeah, well, it's like, what are you going to do? How are you going to respond to adversity? You know, if you're if you're down t- 15 yeah, in the first quarter, how, how do you respond? You know, I think so many kids might just wrap it up. But if, you know, you're teaching that in your practices, hey, you know, you're going to, you could get down eight, eight yeah. to zero in one on one, make it, take it. You know, how are you going to respond? I love that. Well, think of what you just said when you were given the opportunity, you know, down 20, boom, yeah. you know, you come yeah. in, here's my opportunity. Can, I, can we march back? And it's not going to come all at once. Yeah. What's, um, what's your stance on multi sport athletes versus, um, single sport athletes, you know, in today's age, you see a lot of, a lot of kids, a lot of parents think, ah, but I got 12 months of basketball and no other sport. Absolutely. That's terrible. I I just, I just, I can't see it. I I just don't think anyone can sustain that long. So you can go 12 months out of the year, you you know, year after year. I, I just think kids need to be out competing, you know, playing different sports. Um, yeah, Tom, Tom Grady. Tom Grady was a a really really good baseball player. His dad played in the pros, and he was playing pitcher. And you know, he I listened to a podcast about him. I loved it. It was on the Armchair Expert, and he talked about it. He's like, you know, I I learned that baseball. I loved baseball. It really developed my arm speed, my strength. Yeah. You know, exactly. Yeah, John John Jansen, who played for University of Michigan when they won the national championship, he was one of the captains on the team. Mm-hmm. And he also played for the Redskins and then finished his career off with the Lions. I remember mm-hmm. talking him once and he said it. I'm quite sure this is what he, what he said. It's been years since we had this conversation. I think baseball may have been his first love. Mm-hmm. And then he was discovered by Lloyd Carr while playing in the semifinals of the state tournament in basketball. You know, he had a brother who was a senior, he was a sophomore. They played at Clawson High School. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're playing in the semifinals. Lloyd Carter sees him and says, "Oh my God, look at the size of this kid! Oh, he's a sophomore. Man, he yeah. moves really well. Wonder if he plays football." 
long yeah. we only did. And you know, that's set the stage for his college and uh, professional career. But I don't know that football was his first love, but I mean, he was, yeah. you know, won a, won a national championship, was a captain of the, the national championship team. I was assuming he probably got recognition if he played in the NFL. I don't know if he's an All-American uh, at U of M. Um, yeah. Probably was. Do you know if he was? I, I don't. I don't. I Yeah. But, but he's, my point is, going back to your question, he was playing three sports in high school. Yeah. Um, Kirby played three sports in high school. Uh, she loved to compete. Yeah. Well, I played soccer. You know, we were state champs in soccer. I had an awesome soccer program with Batch and Petoskey. And, um, yeah, yeah. I, I was actually just thinking about you here uh, a couple of days ago because – I remember Jane Rossi making a comment once. She says, you know, coach, she's talking to me. She says, uh-huh. Trevor, relative to the competition, is a better soccer player than he is a basketball player. Yeah. Which I thought was interesting. Is that true? Uh, it is. It is. Um, I think, you know, you're also kind of who you surround yourself with in high school, middle school. You know, when I moved up to Petoskey, soccer was my first love. You know, I used to watch Pele tapes and oil my Copa Mundles every night. I used to watch Golden Goals. Like I used to be a soccer, uh, you know, nut. And so then when I moved to Petoskey, you know, my best friends start John Flynn started, you know, all, all these guys, I became influenced by my peer group. And, and what did I start doing every day? We started playing basketball more, started playing basketball more. And I, and, and I loved basketball even more than, than I did soccer. And, um, but I never stopped. I think one of the, one of the hard parts for parents, I think maybe is time because it feels like time is, is, is one of those things that it's our most valuable resource as, as a, as a young kid. And how do you balance, you know, and I always say, you know, yeah, you can play soccer, but I didn't stop playing basketball just cause I was in, you know, on the soccer field, I would still shoot at lunchtime. I would dribble in the morning, you know, I'd go get my dad rebound for me before school if he was up. So I was still getting my basketball reps, you know, and, and maybe not as long or as intense or as many hours, but, oh man, I, you know, I, I would coach batch would say, Hey, you, you know, my senior year, you don't even have to play soccer if you don't want. He told me that he said, don't play if you don't want to. And I said, batch, man, like no way. You know, I said, if, as long as I can get my shots and reps in gym class and lunchtime, I'm, I'm going to be there, you know? And I think that really, really helped my basketball career tenfold, you know, my footwork, everything. And, and I was a better soccer player just relative to the, to the demographic. You know, I was probably, I think one of the better athletes in soccer. Anytime I played soccer, I felt like I was the fastest, the strongest, you know, I could, I could do things with a soccer ball just because of my athleticism. But in the basketball world, you know, you're competing against speed upon speed upon speed when you go down state and inner city. And, and you know, you really look at, at the, the, the demographic landscape of basketball, you're really competing against the top athletes in the country and right. in soccer, not so much, you know, you got, you got all sorts of kids playing soccer right? At least right. back then. So my goal, my, my advice to parents is just, yeah, you do both. You know, if you still, still work out with the ball in your hand, you can still get better and skill develop, do skill development things. Just do shorter amounts of time. When when Kirby, when Kirby was in high school, she uh, played basketball, volleyball and ran track. And when we do our summer stuff with basketball would end right around August 1st. And I just tell her, I said, I don't, I don't even want to talk about basketball. If you want to go shoot, you can. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll see you in November because I wanted her to be excited when she walked back in the gym in November. 
Yeah. She do some shooting, but she, she loved volleyball too. You know, she had a good time mm-hmm. with that and with her friends, but you know, the nine months that she was spending with basketball, I thought was more than enough. Yeah. Well, when, when I was in France uh, playing, we, we, we won the national champ. We won the, the league championship, the national championship in France. And I remember our season ended and I was like, man, I don't want to see a basketball for at least a month. Right. And you know, when you play in it 12 months out of the year, it's just too, you know, to me, you just get burnout and you get fatigue and you want to be excited to have that ball in your hand. And I think it's important parents, you know, give their kids, like you said, just don't even think about it for a while. And, you know, ironically, when I was down in France and we won, I think Miami Heat had just won uh, their, their NBA championship. And, and uh, the, the big rumor in, in the south of France was that LeBron had got a yacht and he was out there for like three weeks on his yacht. Oh, is that right? Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, that's so, you know, that's really, I think that's the best player in the world literally is just going to, he's not going to see a basketball for three weeks. You right. know, and I think that's really important. You yeah. Take you just need a break, let your body heal and just, just rest and relax. Yeah. And, uh, no, that's really good. I, th- I mean, that's, those are, are, are great, great concepts to, for, for people to think about and, you know, appreciate I know we were only, we're already over at 30, 30 minutes, but just appreciate you be coming on and talking so candidly about oh, this yeah. stuff. Yeah, it's great. Great talking with you. It's how fun. do people, you know, I don't know, you're up in Petoskey and, and tell us about like what you're doing now. How do people find you if they want to buy some real estate up north? <laughs> uh, MattTamRealEstate.com. <laughs> oh my God. You got your own website? I didn't I know that. Website. Yeah, sure. When I started off. Yeah, no, I've been doing real estate now for about five years. It's going great. Mm-hmm. Uh Easy sell up here in northern Michigan. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a great place to live. Uh, yeah. Our big issue right now with the real estate business is really the lack of inventory. But I think that's pretty much in a lot of areas around the country. Uh, there's just not much to, to purchase, but mm-hmm. we have a lot of interested buyers Yeah, in the area. The seller's market is what you're what seller's, I'm hearing. Seller's market, yeah, without a doubt. Could I sell all my rentals? Um, if, if they're, are they in Petoskey? No, well, I sold my my Petoskey rental. Yeah, I sold that a while ago. Yeah, um, we're on Carlton. I saw that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, but no, life's, life's going good. You know, uh, real busy. Um, see my children quite a bit. Um, have these building projects going on. Yeah. Um, but yeah, everything's going well. That's great, man. Well, thanks again for being on the Thrive Podcast. We, you know, we talk a lot of basketball. We talk a lot of development. We talk a lot of pretty much everything, you know, boxing to <laughs> how to date a girl as a freshman named Rachel Brown. I, I didn't, I didn't have, I didn't have the nerve. I should have, I, you know, if I could go back in time, coach Tam, I would have taken my shot. <laughs> I would have asked her out to prom or something. You should have. But Hey, <laughs> live and learn. You live and learn. Yeah. Well, the days come and go. And if you don't take advantage of it, then uh, it's missed opportunities. That's right. That's right. Well, thanks again, Coach Tam, for, for ju- jumping on. We'll catch up uh, again soon. All right. When I'm up, uh, hopefully I get up to Petoskey soon. Let's uh, let's connect. Yeah, that'd be great. That'd be great to go out and have uh, lunch. Take care, All right. Trevor. All right. See you, Coach. Bye. Bye.